Good day. You're listening to Free City Radio. This is the 181st edition of the program. I'm Stefan Christoph in Montreal. Thanks for tuning in. On the broadcast today, I am going to be launching a series of interviews that will uh, be shared in the next episodes that look at the campaign that took place in Montreal, Quebec, in support of workers at a garment factory that was called Lamour. The company's still open at the time within the garment district of Montreal, which is on Chabonel Street. The company Lamour was still producing items, clothing in Montreal. And there was a major campaign that took place that was organized by the Immigrant Workers Center that really made an effort to demand adequate compensation for the workers that were being laid, laid off. What was happening is that the jobs were being outsourced and workers at Lemoore were actually being forced to pack up the uh, major equipment, garment factory producing equipment in Montreal and send it uh, internationally. And of course, the company was outsourcing these garment sector jobs looking for labor markets where they could pay workers much less. And there was a major campaign to demand compensation for the workers that were losing their jobs at the time. This was organized by the Immigrant Workers Centre in Montreal. I teamed up with Lauren Laframboise, who is at the Centre for Oral History and Digital Storytelling a project at Concordia, which is in the history department. And within that initiative at Concordia University, there is a project called Deindustrialization and the Politics of Our Time. So we thought it would be important and also interesting to talk about this campaign to support Lemoore workers and to think about what grassroots organizing in the labor movement today looks like. What does it look like for garment workers, mostly immigrant workers, that really were not facing the situation of their jobs being outsourced with a lot of support uh, from mainstream labor unions at the beginning of the context of their struggle. So we talked to four organizers at the Immigrant Workers Center about both the IWC, the Immigrant Workers Center, but this specific campaign in support of garment workers. And we'll launch the series on Free City Radio today with a conversation that is featuring the voice of Joey Kalugai. Uh, Joey is a, an organizer at the Immigrant Workers Center and directly worked on the Lamour campaign um, to support Lamour workers. Here is our conversation recorded at the Immigrant Workers Center. The Immigrant Workers Center is a labor education and campaign center for mainly vulnerable workers among immigrant and migrant uh, population. And I'm uh, Joey Kalugai. I'm the coordinator and community organizer. Uh, with my main dossier being uh, temporary foreign workers. So we'll start talking a bit about the Lemoore campaign then. Um, so who worked at Lemoore and what were some of the challenges that workers faced, um, you know, in terms of unionization or lack of unionization, working conditions, and how did workers find out about uh, layoffs? How did they initially react? Mm -hmm. So uh, Lemoore was mainly an immigrant labor force, uh, about 300 to 350, I think, workers uh, at the time. Um, uh, 
strangely enough, they 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 were working for three different companies, which was all or more, but registered under three different uh, cor- corporations, I, I guess you would say. But it was all or more. What were some of the challenges that they faced while they were working there? Some of them sort of explained to us that they only started finding out that they were going to be uh, laid off when they were being asked to uh, take apart, disassemble, and package the um, equipment that they used uh, in in Lemoore to be shipped off to another place. So it was uh, starting to get an inkling, oh, it looks like we're going to be laid off. But then um, they were given um, uh, some notice um, that they were going to be uh, laid off uh, but they were also being laid off uh, slowly, so it was by you know small groups, um, and so it wasn't like a immediate sort of closure uh, kind of uh, situation where everybody was all laid off at the same time. Um, and like even before that, some of the uh, challenges that they were facing was of course uh, the the bad working conditions and low wages uh, in the textile industry. Um, but uh, uh, as well as the uh, the physical uh, labor, but also the environment, uh, the health and safety issues uh, in terms of what they were breathing in inside the textile uh, factory. Um, and um, one of the, the worst cases was the fact that the night shift uh, workers were being locked in literally, so the doors were being chained uh, uh, in, in the middle of the night. So that, that was very dangerous because, uh, in textile industry, there's oftentimes fire and, and, um, and they, they would have to have the managers come and unlock and chain the doors to let everybody out in, in the instance of, uh, an emergency. So, uh, that was very precarious, uh, uh, situation. Those were the kind of, uh, labor situations that they had, but also there was discrimination. Um, and, um, management uh, tended to uh, you know fan the flames of division amongst uh, the different cultural communities working inside the factory to ensure that the workers were divided and wouldn't communicate with each other so uh, in fact they would um, set up teams of of of, uh, specific cultural uh, communities per department uh, and uh, it, you know, encourage them to speak in their own language to, to, to avoid communications between departments and, and, and between workers. Um, and, and then they would set up these supervisors and managers who would manage, manage them accordingly to their linguistic sort of uh, background and origin. So uh, even the division and discrimination and, and racism was, was fanned by management because it, it benefited them. Maybe just to locate where we are, you're describing uh, night shift workers being locked in during the shift, and obviously many different communities were present at Lemoor. Just for people who are listening, where was Lemoor? Where where are we talking about here in Montreal, the sort of quartier of the city? Yeah, um, Lemoor was in the Chabonneau uh, district. Um, and I can't remember the street anymore, <laughs> but but in that that area, so where there were um, uh, at the time many textile industries that that existed in Montreal and have since closed down um, or repurposed. Uh, it's it's uh, it's 
production uh, or process. So um, at the time, there were a lot of uh, closures uh, in terms of textile productions, and they were going offshore. Um, and Montreal wanted to be a niche sort of market in the textile, so they focused on pattern making and design and distribution uh, of the finished products uh, after going through the the conveyor belt of, of production in other in offshore sites okay. so um that uh, and and uh you know that's actually a precursor to what we have now which is more the uh, the logistical warehousing and transportation and packaging uh, that we have where many workers are working now um uh, so anyway that's the that's the context of of, of lamore and to think about this location at Chabanel, historically that area had a lot of different garment industries. And, you know, when people picture garment sector uh, realities in like Montreal or New York City, often we would picture like a black and white photo from like the turn of the century, you know, and, you know, the famous sort of labor strikes that happened in that context. But this is quite recent. Um, so could you maybe just describe like, maybe the importance of thinking about what happened with Lemoore's closures in a, in a current context and, and how also the Immigrant Workers' Centre got involved in, in that in recent years. So, um, I mean, we, we talk about recent, so in, in, within this uh, century, <laughs> I guess you can say. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's it, I mean, the, the, the work conditions were, were still horrible and, and um, and I'm sure it's worse as they went offshore and set up in uh, other countries. But um, in fact, if you think about it, um, there was some sort of um, corporate social welfare that was that was occurring. Like the the government was pumping millions of dollars into the textile and garment industries to make it um, to make it uh, compa competitive. You know people would be surprised about this point that you mentioned, which is like not a, not a unique point, but also people kind of forget that sometimes, this idea that there was corporate welfare. Um, yeah, so just on that. Sure. Yeah. So um, as I was explaining about social corporate welfare, um, where we had public funds being pumped into these private corporations to make them competitive and to try to keep the, the productions to stay here, which in in the end didn't work because workers themselves started packing up those high-tech equipments that that they developed using these public funds to make themselves competitive so lamore for instance had this really fancy um set up a really fancy textile um and garment industry uh, factory in the u.s using this uh, equipment that was used to uh, was bought by public funds and developed by public funds to cr create uh, new types of fabric for the uh, sports industries, right? So, um, uh, and um, in the end, it does it didn't work, you know. So the, these guys took the money and ran, and uh, invested in, in more profitable sort of production processes uh, around the world, um, uh, precisely because there was for them too much protections uh, in terms of labor conditions like minimum wage and overtime pay and all the things we we take for granted here um you can get away with uh, or, or avoid by going offshore and, and and setting up shop there uh, but regardless of the fact that we have minimum labor standards here 
working conditions were still bad and, and, and workers uh, had attested to that. Um, and they did so by uh, one or two coming to approach us about uh, the issues of their labor conditions, but also uh, about the fact that they were asking, should they not be compensated for the years of loyalty that they had? And all of a sudden they're just being thrown out in the streets without any uh, compensation or, or anything like that. So they felt really um, disrespected, but also like stabbed in the back by the company because um, they were told, you know, they were always told, be loyal. Like, yeah, these are your working conditions. Don't complain, be loyal. So that's what they were doing for many years and some for five to 10 years or more uh, in the same company. Um, and then so when they were being told, you got to go or you're we're, we're laying off and there's no compensation, that was uh, a shock to them. And they approached the center and that's how we got involved with one or two people uh, you know, asking about their rights. And later we asked them to come and, and bring more people and we can discuss what's going on so we can get a broader picture. Is it just isolated one or two people or is this happening to everybody? Uh, and that's how we got involved. And, and were, they, were they open to trying to mobilize other workers? Like how did that all go? Just a bit more about like sure. the interaction with the workers and the Immigrant Workers Center. For sure. Um, and like I said, um, uh, you know, working together didn't come so easily and didn't uh, exactly uh, happen uh, immediately. Of course, people were like, you know, uh, feeling feeling that, oh, it's just happening to me or, or perhaps other people don't care. Um, and so we, we, we told them that you have a better shot and we have a better, uh, we can get a better idea if you bring more people in. Um, and so like it was, I, th I believe, Filipino workers who first came came forward and approached us they heard about our our center because we lived in i mean our, our center is based in this community where most of the filipinos are so they came and they they they, they approached us and we asked them what other workers are there and they told us well there's this department that had south asian workers and this department that had tamils and this department that were spanish-speaking and so on and so forth right or um or haitians and so on and um, so we we started doing our outreach and inviting people more and more people to come, and uh, together we were able to build a, a, a bigger and better picture of what, what was happening. But not only that, but a bigger and better picture of how to move forward collectively uh, in in demanding for their rights. Uh, um, and one thing that they they knew that they were not going to get their jobs back. So one thing that they they all decided on was that they should be compensated for all the years that they were loyal to the company maybe we can pick up um on the the iwc campaign itself so what did what were some of the actions that the iwc was taking in the context of the lamore campaign Actually, one of the things that we we had to fight it wasn't it wasn't um, a two way fight. It was almost it was a three way fight, <laughs> kind of. Uh, we also had to fight um, the union, uh, the in house union that existed in Lemoore. Um, uh, it was essentially wor workers were telling us it's basically a management run union. It was uh, set up by the management to keep out real unions from coming in. And you can tell it's an in-house union because they allowed for those types of conditions, which I described. Uh, you know, how, how can a union allow for locking up workers in the middle of the night? You no, know? uh, that's inhumane. So, um, uh, and the fact that they did nothing—they they basically managed the workers to to to, to pack up all the equipments and and told them that's your job now for the next three months before you get laid off. So we 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 you know. 
first had to take the company uh, uh, to uh, the the labor board for um, pecuniary complaints, like non-payment of of of, of uh, and compensation for the years, uh, and and you know bad labor practices and things like that. But in order for us to do that, in order for you to go to the uh, the CNT at the time, the Commission de Normes de Travail you have to have denounce also the unions because otherwise they tell you, well, you have a union, so you have to go through the union sort of complaints process. And we said, no, because there's misrepresentation. So it was a three-way fight. You're fighting, instead of fighting just the company, you're fighting the union and the company. And in fact, at the, at the labor tribunal, we had to face the lawyers of both the company and and the, the union, and at times the, they were the same, one or the same, you know, they, they represented both. So you can tell that, they were both management, but you know, coming at you at two different angles. Um, so that was one. But uh, we knew that um, the odds were stacked up against us uh, at, at at the time because there was no law stating law. Well, you, you know, in fact, they were able to avoid compensation compensatory laws when it comes to collective dismissals. I think it's kind of similar still now that a collective dismissal constitutes a certain number of people laid off within a period of two months. So uh, one thing that they did was lay off people slowly but surely. But the other thing that they did was that they had registered the company into three different companies. And therefore, um, uh, you, you, they can say, well, no, actually that person was laid off at the same time as this person, but they don't work for one company. They work for two separate companies, you know, so to avoid playing this numbers game, to avoid the whole, how much notice should I give you before I owe you those weeks of notice um, for not giving you that amount of notice, right? So people were owed between four to eight eight weeks of, of, of notice. And at the very least, we were asking for the minimum of, of compensating them for those four to, to eight weeks. And they would have been happy uh, with that. But um, so, uh, you know, in terms of labor standards, it was stacked against us because um, even the labor standards were way too low uh, uh, in terms of gaining justice in that situation. So it was about public outcry and uh, about public awareness that this is going on in Montreal. This is what's affecting uh, uh, thousands, hundreds, if not thousands of, of, of immigrant textile workers uh, who, who are historically in uh, poor neighbor live in poor neighborhoods and have poor working conditions and so on and so forth. This exists in Montreal, um, and we want support. So we we mediatized the campaign when there was uh, labor tribunals. We held press conferences outside the, the the building during the court cases so that workers can denounce the situation and explain themselves and explain why the laws are stacked against them and 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 don't work for them. Um, and this type of, of mediatization, we, we went out to, in front of Lamour, uh, walked around the Chabonel, marched the Chabonel district with, uh, you know, tens of uh, almost 100 workers um, to, to discuss this and um, asked um, uh, other unions to come and support uh, this um, uh, situation and, and to denounce it as well. And that kind of public pressure um, had an effect uh, in the end. Um, the government stepped in and um, and again on an individualized case by case basis gave compensation to 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 many of the workers without even without the labor uh, tribunal decision 
which means it's a political uh, mm. decision. Like somebody can snap their fingers and put pen to paper and make it happen, you know? So mm. um, it, it was as easy as that. And so some people were compensated for their years of work, uh, depending on how long they've been working there. And all of them were given, um, uh, you know, uh, free services to to be placed in and retrained to to work in other uh, areas. Unfortunately, of course, the type of work that that uh, that happened right after that were like the warehouses and and, and logistical um, packaging and so on and so forth. Those just in time economy that we're in now, so um, it, which still is still wrought with many problems. So the struggle continues, <laughs> as we say. Before we get into the next section, I think maybe it could be meaningful if people have like an image of what happened. So if you could describe maybe some of the actions you talked about, like workers gathering together to talk about their experiences uh, in Chabanel district. I remember there was a, a protest at some point. I remember it was very cold. Um, maybe could you, yeah, like just, just to, because I think people would see Chabanel now and it's very uh, condos, it's quite empty. This is just a, a different context. Sure. Um, well, let, let's start with how we, we gathered and made this, these decisions. Of course, it wasn't us making the decisions. We had to, you know, uh, unite everyone uh, as to, and give them options and ask them what do they want and, and explain to them why the laws are stacked against them, why they won't win uh, in the court, but how we can win in other ways and politically and, and, and in terms of uh, public support and things like that. So we, we, we as a center acted as that type of resource, giving the information and giving the options. Um, but they had to come together. So they had to overcome also the, the, the you know, um, the disagreements and the, the you know, prejudices and, and, and so on and so forth. So uh, it, was, it was funny, uh, uh, this funny story that we always tell ourselves, like the, the, um, the 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 Indian um, uh, workers would say, no, don't trust the Tamils, and Tamils would say, don't trust the the, the the Haitians. The Haitians would say, don't trust the West Africans, and Filipinos will say, don't trust anybody. You know, um, and and in the end, we had to explain to them that in order for us to move forward, we need everybody, and everybody has to be in solidarity with everybody because we're all in the same boat. And 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 we did that by in, you know selecting several of them who were who were more advanced in, in terms of of thinking about that and 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 more not just thinking about that but acting on it. So those who were more advanced and and, and were able to overcome those prejudices and 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 talk to the other uh, workers from the other uh, you know cultural communities and um, and through them they mobilized and they showed. Uh, everybody else, how they can work together. And we held meetings with everybody together, all sitting in the same room, saying the same thing, talking about the same thing, complaining about the same thing, understanding the same injustices, and and then talking about and working for a common uh, objective. And I, I think that's how we overcame it. And and so when we mobilized uh, in, in front of, uh, in Chabanel during winter, uh, in front of the labor um, minister's office uh, in Place Ville-Marie, like deep, deep winter, like minus 15 degrees, <laughs> you know, people came uh, to that and because they understood that um, they had to work together and they had to show their numbers um, to show that, you know, we're real people when we're being affected by this. And, 
and um, and I think the media mediatization of that helped to gain public support and and build the pressure for government to do something. We talked a bit about the legislative frameworks and stuff like that already. I'm wondering, related to that, do you think that there would be a way to close those loopholes through like is you know doing trying to advocate advocate for changing those laws or improving that legislative framework for um, for layoffs and collective layoffs? Do you think that that's like a viable strategy or is there something else going on here around like you know the global economy and all of that stuff? Um, yeah. I mean, there's several levels of, of, of fights. I think the main fight is is why why are there um, this retrenchment and this this type of globalization? But but also why is there why are why is this these types of industries that are so uh, that that have a social character? For instance, clothing people is, is has a very social character. Why are those so privatized and and why are they left in private private hands? Um, those are questions that people need to ask in a broader sort of social context and, and polit- policies, uh, you know, po- political context and economic context. We have to question those those uh, motives, and so and and so why do we allow them, can, our, our companies to go abroad and and exploit you know cheaper labor and you know destroy uh, economies there, contributing to displacements of people, and then you know treating those displaced people here as if they were disposable labor, uh, disposable human beings, right? Um, so um, we have to question all that. That's that's one thing. But while we're fighting to change all that, there there has to be some legislative changes in terms of protecting workers uh, as well. And and um, and the way to go is not to you know hope and beg and 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 plead uh, with government because none of those ever worked in his history historically. People fought for the eight-hour day. They fought for overtime. They fought for maternity leave. They fought for the right to vote. <laughs> you know, so um, those are all things that that need fighting. And we as a center believe that um, our role is to to provide the space for people to get organized. Um, to, to, to be able to fight uh, and, and demand for those things. And, and just to underline on the Lemoore case, uh, just, you had mentioned it before, but could you just underline sort of the impacts of the campaign? Because I know that workers did win compensation because of doing what you're describing. Right. So one, they didn't only win it for themselves, but uh, in general, I think the, the Quebec government came out with a program to support uh, textile workers who were losing their jobs, so they put uh, they pumped in public funds to 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 help retrain and, and place them in, in and ensure that they have um, some form of income while that was uh, going on. Aside from employment insurance, um, but uh, compensations and uh, and retraining and placement. Uh, so the the government did move to put in public funds, which is what I, I would have wanted for my public money to, to go to, was to support workers who were, who were losing their jobs because of, of that uh, reorganization in the industry. That was a conversation with Joey Kalugai of the Immigrant Worker Center. And this is a series of interviews that we're featuring on Free City Radio that will detail and create space for reflection on the campaign that the IWC, the Immigrant Workers Center, organized to support Lamour garment workers. 
this series of interviews is supported by Deindustrialization and the Politics of Our Time, which is a project that's based at Concordia University in the History Department, and more specifically through the Center for Oral History and Digital Storytelling. I teamed up with Lauren Laframboise, who is um, working with that initiative, and we co-conducted um, these interviews with members of the Immigrant Workers Centre. This has been another edition of Free City Radio. I host and produce the program. I'm Stefan Christoph, and we air weekly on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal at 11 a.m. on Wednesdays on CGLO, 1690 a.m. also in Geogeage, Montreal on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. on CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg at 10.30 p.m. on Tuesdays on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at 11.30 a.m. on Wednesdays on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, British Columbia on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. and Saturdays at 7 a.m. on Met Radio 12.80 a.m. in Toronto at 5.30 a.m. on Fridays and now on CKCU 93.1 FM in Ottawa on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. You can find our archives at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio and we are also a podcast find us streaming through apple podcasts or spotify look up free city radio thanks for tuning in we will be back next week take care